Ooh, hello everybody! Tuning into all of the frequencies and galaxies that the Pisces season opens up for us. Hello, Alia. Hi, Eva Cristina. We are now reporting from quite different sides of the world. Well, some of you might not know, but even though we are both originally from Slovenia, Alia has been living in Munich for quite a few years now. And I am currently reporting from Indonesia. Just, yeah, flew here a few days ago, still feeling a little foggy. So I guess today I'll be demonstrating a slightly zoned out Pisces energy. <laughs> very timely very timely as always <sighs> and the sound might be even shittier than usual but i'm not willing to suffer under the blanket and sweat it out so i guess we'll just have to deal with it okay so if someone is tuning in for the first time alia how would you invite them into the realm of seasonal aspirations well, first of all, if you're tuning in for the first time, you're so welcome to be here in our circle. <laughs> you can sit with us. <laughs> you can sit with us. You are now one of the cool kids. Um, <laughs> this podcast is all about really exploration, exploration of everything there is, um, which is what we're going to go into today. But what we are taking as our system as a guide is the astrological wheel which represents all of these archetypes of different energies that are present in our day-to-day -day lives and that we all in one form or another a have inside of us and be encountering our day-to-day -day lives and so here we are breaking them down and exploring them and trying to show how they may manifest in our lives your lives and the world at the large and so through that, we are inviting you into your own personal exploration of who you really are and what you're here to do and how you relate and interact with the world. Hmm. Amen. Fuck yeah. Oh, ho. <laughs> and we also just want to put a disclaimer in today's day and age. Uh, it feels very necessary that we are not medical or trauma informed or therapy professionals but we are here to open up the channels for conversation and all of this exploration and i feel like often we're not even diving so deeply to the core of it because there's always gonna be more um but just kind of opening up these themes so as an invitation for you to explore what they mean for you and in which directions they might be leading you further exactly right and diving into the pisces energy we also want to put out the disclaimer that yes again we are also hella piscean <laughs> and i know we've been saying this for literally every single sign but i'm gonna say it again it is because all of these energies live inside of us some of them might be more activated and out in our reach and some less but even so throughout these podcast episodes you will hear us repeat certain things but that is because well first of all they are fundamental and crucial 
to us. Uh, a lot of the things that we talk about here are the core of our belief systems. And on one of the key ways of bridging the conscious and subconscious, which is at the core of both of our work, is also the repetition. I do believe this is a very important way of how we change our conditionings and shift the reality so that it supports us better. So if you're tired of hearing us talk about certain things again and again, and you feel like you already understand it, at least mentally, uh, this is your invitation to tune into them deeper. This is what Pisces energy is also offering us, that deeper integration to move from the mental understanding into living and embodying it. Exactly, and it's really important to know also that a repetition is what changes your brains. So on a physiological mm. level, like if you want to grow new connections between the cells, there's no better way than repetition, ideally combined with a strong emotion. So if we're talking about feeling it and embodying it, this is actually how you integrate things. But exactly, it's important to understand we talk about these energies and their applications or whatnot, but all of these energies are infinitely complex and they fit differently and manifest differently in different contexts. So every time you're listening to this, you are starting to understand a certain concept in more ways, in different ways, in different contexts. And this is what actually forms associations, which makes things mm. useful for us. Yeah. Plus, you know, different contexts will bring different angles of a particular subject or an energy. So, yeah. But I do have to say that I often feel like listening to our podcasts um, when once they are released, I feel like, oh, God, like uh, should have given a, a deeper explanation of what I meant there. And I often feel like we could start another YouTube channel of just commenting <laughs> on what we have commented on this podcast. It's like inception, <laughs> like layers upon layers of like what should be in the hey, podcast. Exactly. We could. Um, we and could. often, yeah, we, well, you know, um, seasonal aspirations season two. <laughs> now we're going over all of the episodes we already recorded and just getting even more detailed on them. Let us know if you would love to hear that. I'm sure people are dying for it. But I also, you know, I was thinking yesterday that often I have these moments where I feel like everything that we are talking about or sharing, like even individually on, on like our own pot, uh, platforms, sometimes it just feels ridiculously pointless. And we come to this point, which is a part of this Pisces energy where I don't know, I feel like nothing really matters. Oh. Like everything that I'm saying is just bullshit and repackaging of something. And in a way, I, mean, I truly believe it is. Um, you know, it is in the lived experience. The words, the mental co concepts, we've said this before too, it will always have a limitation. And we're not here to try to get it right. We're not here to come to the truth of it. We're just here to explore. And at the end of the day, what the cycle of life teaches us is that, well, it is all just one big dream and illusion. The Pisces energy that 
cultivates all of the wisdom through all of the houses, the whole of astrological wheel, and then comes to the 12th house and realizes, well, nothing matters, there is no real truth, let's just dissolve into the nothingness and free ourselves from trying to be right and get it right. I totally, totally vibe with that. Like, I feel like I, I mentioned that to you, the last planned ceremony I have, I called it the whatever ceremony. Because like, I don't think I said the word whatever that many times in my entire life before, because it was this such a deep realization. It's like, nothing matters. Like, whatever, you know, mm, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. And here we come to one of the main topics, points, energies of Pisces, which is ruling the 12th house of the Zodiac Wheel, which is about the ultimate letting go, the ultimate surrender. It is the house of completion and the end of cycles. And we know a bit of that. <laughs> um, so we both have our north nodes, the energies that we are here to cultivate more of and move into the direction of the north node, the 12 house topics. So, yeah, the Pisces energy, very real for both of us, a huge learning curve. But Alia has a special placement in Pisces, too. Alia, how does it feel to be a Pisces moon in this world? It feels. <laughs> it feels. Many feels. All the feels. Many feels. Yeah, it's, it's funny. My boyfriend calls me a splishy splashy. Um, that's his like nickname for me. He's a cancer rising. So like, you know, it's a good, it's a good match, but mm. it's sometimes really amazing. And it can sometimes be really tough. It's Pisces moon, at least in my personal experience, brings so many of these beautiful qualities of the Pisces, like incredible imagination. You know, like as a kid, I was always just like either stuffing my nose into the books or creating my own worlds. That was just such a big part of it mm. but then it's also it comes with this for me what a lot of people would call being naive you know always seeing the good in everything and everyone like always believing that people will do their best mm. having this potential for this universal love and like really deep compassion mm -hmm. in a sense that Huh. it's easy to love things you know it's like even when it comes to nature things around you like finding beauty in them and seeing them as a part of you it feels mm -hmm. very intuitive and attunement like this is a big thing so mm -hmm. energetically sensing what the other person is sensing which then gives rise to empathy of course naturally mm -hmm. so this was always something very easy but also sensing the energetics of places you know you don't even understand it a lot of the time especially when you're younger or before you kind of explore spirituality because you're told so many times it's not real but, you know it's like a classical thing you step into a room and you're like oh wow this is off like mm -hmm. i can't be here so there was a lot of that for me growing up but really what it manifests as one of the biggest things as well as we mentioned before this attunement to the cycles especially the ending but seeing the cyclical nature and for me this manifests a lot partially it's like in the energetics and sensing it but also observing the cycles and attuning with them in nature which is at the end of the day the 3d manifestation of consciousness mm -hmm. 
so that's been that's been my experience with the Pisces moon but it just comes with also really it comes with a lot of emotions deep emotions and sometimes really intense emotions mm. um and in this world today that can be really tough because a lot of the time we're told that you know just get your shit together you're pathetic you're too much and all of these things and the Pisces is like so you don't love me and it's kind of I feel like the worst possible thing that can happen like it's just something you as a Pisces moon you want to belong so much right you want to merge mm. so much and then because of your very nature and the intense emotions that you may have you're getting rejected so there was definitely an aspect that I struggled with a lot growing up which is also I think very much seen in my Saturn that's conjuncting my moon right and mm. being in the fourth house Mm, yeah yeah Ooh, okay you laid it out beautifully and we're gonna go deeper into all of that but i really love this aspect that you mentioned that always seeing the good in everything and everyone this core themes that pisces brings forward of universal love and compassion devotion and empathy you know if like you thought that Aquarius was the flower power, then the Pisces comes in with the stardust everywhere. <laughs> like, sprinkle that shit around. <laughs> yeah. Let it go, let it shine. <laughs> yeah, and it is about that energetic and spiritual attunement. But with that, I sometimes see Pisces energy as this little energetic sponge that is just so in tune with the energies all around in the seen and the unseen realm that it sometimes uh, struggles with energetic boundaries and just sucks everything mm. on, right? And so a big part of the Pisces lessons are putting healthy energetic boundaries. Yep. Yep, yep. And not just energetic, right? Also, also day-to-day -day boundaries can be really hard with that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, because, I mean, everything is energy. True, true. <laughs> and it is about that interconnectedness, that oneness that you also mentioned. Even when you look at the symbol of Pisces, it is two fish swimming, right? Which is the representation of that polarity of yin and yang, earth and heaven the oneness and the unity and from that comes that unconditional love which like you said we all desire and sometimes Pisces doesn't understand why is there no unconditional love on the planet earth <laughs> it is at the core of all of us it's like how can you like loving someone or feeling love regardless of how we feel or especially when we feel like shit yeah that we are able to be accepted in all of that it is where a lot of the coping mechanisms then develop yeah totally totally i i really feel that is a lot of the time it's just this feeling of you know and i'm sure a lot of people feel that these these days but it's definitely part of the spicy and thing when you look around yourself and you're like how did we get to where we are you know it's like where is this universal love that is at the core of us where has it gone how are we so separate and so disconnected it feels so mm. like difficult to comprehend really difficult to comprehend 
I do not get it whatsoever. <laughs> like we both have stalliums in the twelfth house, at least whole house system. The stallium means that we have three, four, or more planets in one house, one sign, and this is the energy that I know both of us has struggled a lot. And then we spoke about the age of Aquarius in the previous episode and how we're now supposed to be moving from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. And the age of Pisces is supposed to be about all about the matters of the soul. Mm. You know, this is where the ideas of human transcendence, the solution of the self and that connection to the higher ideal uh, comes forth. But I'm really not sure where we went wrong <laughs> because this all sounds so beautiful and yet this search for transcendence turned into the search of escape the escapism of like losing touch with reality or that which truly matters falling into illusions maya in sanskrit which is a big part a shadow part of piscean energy a part of what i also you know, of course, what happened in this era, right, is which we may or may not have touched upon before is religion, right? Yeah. And um, and and something that I also see here is that, you know, before the age of Pisces came the age of Aries, right? And Aries was all about, it was a lot about conquest and domination and all of that, if you look at what was happening. And it almost feels like a part of this also carried over. Mm-hmm. You know, we took this energy and I'll just like warped it in a way that you know submit and dominate mm-hmm. others, but now from a religious perspective, right? And then off we went into the dark ages and burning witches at the stake and mm-hmm. basically having the forcing people to conform to one very specific idea of what is true. And that, yeah, went on for like a really, really long time, which is also tying back into what we talked about before, exactly how we got to where we are. Mm, Yeah, yeah, I love this explanation, yeah. You know, because, like, I see religion as more of the Sagittarius um, Mm. field, but, yeah, this institutionalization of spirituality that happened in the age of Pisces, where we got introduced to the concept of good and bad and heaven and hell, sin and sacrifice, Mm. which started to shape the society and spirituality at the core, uh, where we look for where we separate rather than where we are one, right? Which is something that still happens with science. Yeah, man. I say this all the time. Yeah. And then we go into the religious fanatism and intolerance that gained force and the idea of this guilt and suffering that I feel like a lot of people with strong Pisces energy truly carries on their shoulders and Mm. you know if we look at the water signs in the astrology we start with cancer which is all about our inner emotional world our our private selves and the water element is connected to emotion, so they all have this flowing, watery, emotional mm-hmm. thread. And then we move to the Scorpio, which is a topic that we, or which is a sign that we already 
covered in seasonal aspirations podcast if someone wants to jump back it was a juicy episode <laughs> but i see scorpio as the underworld right the shadow part the more unconscious part of us but both of these signs cancer and scorpio to me are still of this world are still worthy are still a part of us whereas pisces archetype goes beyond, dissolves into this nothingness or oneness, whatever lens you want to look through. Mm. You know, carrying all of this repressed, the collective unconscious, which is not internalized as in Scorpio energy, where societal shadow has been kind of taken on. But what happens with Pisces energy is that it can be tuned into this collective subconscious the feelings of scarcity shame guilt that sometimes we don't really know where it's coming from we don't have a logical explanation or a personal explanation and a personal root at it it's just attunement to these bigger energetic cycles yeah there's one there's one thing i want to add here um that I think could be really like important is something you mentioned before, you know, how we were taught to think see separately, right? Mm-hmm. Like being separate rather than being one. And I, I would like to give just like a small invitation here for you to look at where this is manifesting in your life, because mm-hmm. this is a part of our subconscious conditioning. And I want to give two examples here that I think are really important and carry, I think, really big consequences. And one of them is science right which is my background and if you look at what science does science is all about in its traditional sense comparing one group to the other and looking for where they are significantly different (laughs) and despite the fact we are now moving especially in my field towards a different thing which is looking for correlations which really what it means it's looking for relationships between different things Mm. right So it's starting to look more in where things are actually aligned and separate. Traditional science is based on the difference, right? Like this is the whole, if you know anything about statistics, like the p-value in rule that is based on, it's actually based on creating, which is really crazy background, but it's based on looking for racial differences. So a lot of the statistical methods were created as we try to prove that white people are better than black. So, the whole like foundation upon which we built this scientific field that has now dominated for a couple of hundred years is about looking for separation. And this is really, really important to understand because if we have underlying conditioning that is programmed in a way to look for difference rather than similarity, we're gonna have the outlook of separation from everything else and we're gonna act accordingly. Another example, in which this can be really, really profoundly noticed, and that's a fascinating example, is the English language. In the English language, people are he or she, but everything else, nature is it. Animals are it, plants are it, and that's not the case in most other languages, right? In our language, like a dog is a he, and I don't know, like a turtle is a she, right? And same goes for trees. And And the nature is she too. nature is she too right and that's the same in german the same in spanish the same in french you actually have gender but in english 
which is now one of the most widely spoken languages. There yeah. is the differentiation that already happens at the level of <sighs> I am a human, he or she, and then everything around me, even the what we consider the living world, is like an object, right? Oh my and god, that, the programming! It's, <laughs> it's programming at the level of the language that happens so early on. And we may start talking about, you know, does that play any role in the United States behaving like a fucking three-year-old toddler at the collective <laughs> level, right? Seeing everything else as an extension of them, seeing everything from an egocentric perspective. But the point here is I'm just trying to invite you into being really conscious about where do you see separation? Because separation is an illusion. It is a part of the reality we're experiencing as humans. It's a part of human experience. And yet at the core, it's not the truth. And as long as we keep seeing ourselves separate from nature, we see what's happening. We keep destroying nature because we don't see its beauty. We don't see our connection to it. We don't admit to our dependence on it, which means we don't see it as necessary. As we don't see it as necessary and beautiful and sacred, we won't take care of it and we will just exploit it. So it's always at the core of whenever we hurt others is when we feel separate from them, because if we didn't feel separate, why would we hurt them? Mm, I love you, Alia. Thank you for voicing this. Yeah. I love you too, Eva, Cristina. <laughs> and you know, like, I loved your um, analogy or the idea of what we have taken from the age of Aries and now that we may or may not be moving into the age of Aquarius <laughs> where we are again moving from God which would be the Pisces representation to the human the mind mm. the mental Aquarius so from certain tr more traditional ways of functioning to progression in this rebellion and breaking of the rules that we don't completely repress the soul again that we don't forget about this interconnectivity that in the in the quest to progress and advance we don't forget about the unity and about this oneness mm. the foundation of everything beautiful huh. and you know that brings us to another very important point which is how this whole mm, matrix or this whole energetic vibrancy, the frequency field, the beyond, the astral and the unseen realm that Pisces represents and reminds us of, that some, this field of oneness that the mystics have been talking about for thousands of years, and now the science is telling us about this too, which is the quantum field, the quantum theory, the quantum reality. Freaking finally, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. This I just is... have to say that as a scientist, like I'm looking at it and I'm like, yes, yes, thank you. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we could argue that maybe this is one of those situations where the perfect timing always does not apply. <laughs> Mm. no it's it's perfect timing it's perfect like it has to be now right yeah. now we just need to move from understanding like that we have this quantum field theory mm. what's happening 
to actually thinking about what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, getting from the mental to like the the heart space, the the integration of being like, wow, it means we are all connected, right? Like that we're still lacking. We're still not there, but it's, it's going to happen in its own divine timing. (laughs) Yes. But okay. We got to start somewhere. So I am going to ask you, well, what is the quantum? This is another word that I feel like is in the field a lot now and would love to hear how you experience it. Oh boy. See, this is, this is the thing with a quantum, right? Like, <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah. Like I know what you you're going to say because, the quantum, because everything that you would say already exists <laughs> and you've already said it. <laughs> I think this is a good representation <laughs> of the quantum, no? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I like to think, you know, the quantum just is. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like, you know, when you're having the Bible and, and basically the God is like, I am who I am, right? Like, that's basically what he says. Yeah. Like, Soham, the mantra. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, quantum is just, uh, I, I see it as a collection of all the energies all the vibrational Mm. frequencies everything there is in the universe like everything 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 and it's something that through transcendental experiences in in whatever you way you may get there you you get to sample some of it you you get the idea of how big it is and then these energies manifest in certain ways and we get to experience them here manifested at this in the time-space reality, right? So it, quantum is impossible for us to imagine because it doesn't contain time and space. So those two dimensions are not a part of it. And so for a human brain, like it's impossible to comprehend. That's why it's important to experience it. Like imagine something that has no time and space. Like your brain is going to break down. It can't do it. It's not designed to do that. And quantum exists in, in that space space oh it's so hard in in that field beyond it and then manifest in certain ways but these are the energetic frequencies that are truly at the core of who we are and you can try to imagine is that this quantum this space of infinite possibilities is the deepest reality it's where our soul comes from it's where our deepest energetic self comes from mm-hmm. and then in this 3d reality we get this amazing thing called the human brain and the human nervous system, which is now an interface between all of these energetic possibilities and energies that are happening around you and your 3D physical experience. So truly your brain constructs stories and interprets these energetic frequencies that you're sampling at the time. It's really just the receiver. It's tuning into the quantum, just like mm. like a radio. And you can pick what frequencies you want to you know, tune into and whatnot, which is based on awareness, which is why spirituality is so much about awareness. But you know, this is kind of like how I would describe quantum. What mm. what is what is your take on it? How do you describe quantum? I mean, it's such an abstract term that yeah, and it's hard to define it. So well done. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, in a way, I would say that Akashic records are for me like tuning into the quantum, at least in some way, uh, one channel of it, mm-hmm. because it is the field of unlimited possibilities where anything and everything exists. You know, 
there is no past, no future. It's only the now, the mm. present, and everything that the present is, which is something that our brains have a hard time even comprehending. <laughs> so yes, it is in a way a reality that exists beyond our senses, beyond anything that we can imagine. Mm. And I believe that is this is the invisible framework of energy that creates mm. the universe. Mm. And since the, one of the quantum laws is that interconnectivity, the oneness, it is the world where it's full of just pulsing energy fields. You know, in a way, the consciousness is a part of this vibrating energy, of this vibrating energy of the universe. And I like to imagine our little brains are being, as being the motherboard of mm -hmm. our consciousness. And so with our brain, our consciousness, we have the ability to wave the energy of the universe. So we have a choice to vibrate with certain energies or to tune into the energetic patterns of anything, basically, that we want to attune into. If it's abundance, if it's freedom and liberation of love, of uh, success, that it's not based or rooted in human ego, but the success that is wired in the matrix of the universe. So it is really a field of limitless possibilities. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we don't we don't even have the idea yet of what is possible once we are truly attuned into this field. But a lot of the things that we do in the spiritual realm, which is another big topic, one of the central topics when we talk about Pisces, you know, it is about tuning into this energy field and in a way <laughs> jesus was considered as this ultimate piscean archetype even they say that the age of pisces started with the birth of jesus mm. i don't know is it true or not we said at the beginning that this is the concept that we're moving away from <laughs> but if you look at the if, if you look at jesus archetype you would think you know it's a little cuckoo very widely misrepresented and obscure um, with these outwardly powers but also full of wisdom that is ahead that was ahead of his time so whether jesus was this saint the son of god or yogi i think from my perspective he truly was the master of the quantum reality mm -hmm. someone who not only understood it but was able to live it and i think he might be the like if he was the real person or just a story i think he really captures the essence of what it means to live in this quantum and he symbols a fish <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. which is beautiful i love that yeah, I, I really think, you know, one way to maybe bring this like, quantum thing to like a little bit more of a tangible thing is, you know, I mentioned before this thing that quantum exists beyond time and space. And when you think about certain events that happen that are not bound by the laws of time and space, 
and our possibilities that we couldn't conceive of, that's what we call miracles, right? Which is, I think, yeah. what you're referring to talking about Jesus, right? He was capable of mm-hmm. just turning water into wine, like straight away. So, <laughs> yeah, sister. <laughs> that's what you want, right? That's the I mean, I don't drink alcohol, but I think it's a pretty cool trick to have up your sleeve <laughs> it's a really good one you know if you could just turn water into beetroot juice like that oh my more. god you know me so well <laughs> man I'm, I'm right there with you <laughs> cheers um but this is what is really happening there right it's like that we tap into the quantum and this is what we call synchronicities right mm-hmm. it's like when things happen that cannot be explained by cause and effect yes and that's when we tap into the quantum because it's beyond time and space and we this is also how spontaneous healings can can occur Mm -hmm. when you all of a sudden like you have this miraculous thing when your body just fixes itself fully and it's because you can raise the resonant vibration of the certain tissues or whatnot that simply no longer allows the vibration of disease to coexist and this can Mm -hmm. happen in an instant once you tap into the quantum Mm -hmm. yeah so in a way we are tapped into the quantum or even to take it a step further we are the quantum (laughs) but it's more of a matter of the conscious working and waving of this quantum field Mm. right Mm. and one of the analogies that i really like if we talk about the quantum i think we could easily kind of populize it and call it a matrix would you Mm. agree yeah totally and you know what the word matrix means in Latin? No idea. The word matrix in Latin means the womb. <laughs> oh, that's dope. That's pretty dope, yes. <laughs> the 12th house is associated not only with the astral, right? The 12th house, which is kind of... We see it as this place between the world, between the physical and the astral. Mm. this unseen realm that is also connected to past life energies and not Mm. only that but in a more worldly way the utero experience Mm -hmm. like the portal between lives if you choose to uh, live with this analogy at least Mm -hmm. and i know that you've been tapping a little more into human design lately and i really appreciate your knowledge (laughs) in that (laughs) and you know i know just a tap of it and i know that human design actually calculates your chart based on three months before your birth is that correct yeah it, it has two points so this is a really cool thing about human design when you get your chart you will see because it uses astrology as a part of it um so you get all of the planets as well you get them at two points in time so you get them at the time of your birth similar as you do in traditional astrology plus the one three months before and so what human design teaches is that basically at roughly six months so three months before you're born your brain matures enough is developed enough that it can now accept consciousness to move into the physical body right we talked about the brain being a receiver Mm -hmm. before and it's at that point where what they call it's called kind of like the two consciousness crystals something along those lines um actually gets into the body but so you 
get the unconscious design and the conscious design and the conscious design is more along the sides of your personality aka your energetic like blueprint mm -hmm. and all of that and then the unconscious is your physical body as well which is how your physical body actually operates a lot of the intuition comes with how your body mm. feels safe and how your body responds and it's the human design sees this whole sort of human experience as being you know these two energies the conscious and unconscious kind of riding the vehicle together and seeing how to make it like fit but yes that's it that's it you know that's the bridging between the conscious and subconscious mm -hmm. and actually the 12th house in astrology so the house of the pisces archetype is the house also known as the house of self undoing mm -hmm. so i mentioned this before yeah dissolving the ego going beyond the i or and like towards the ultimate i and here the subconscious is like a doorway to the whole of the universe to the quantum you know they say that the more that you are familiar with your subconscious the more you have access to this quantum reality yeah it's it's really cool because the way i see the subconscious i i heard this really good analogy is right it's like a sieve filtering consciousness and so your mm. the consciousness that you get is a lot of the time the how it's going to get filtered is based on your beliefs right and beliefs are stored in the subconscious and not just like the beliefs you hold and you're aware of but all of the unconscious ones that are actually dictating your life so yeah. aka we're told from a very early age on that you know unicorns don't exist like dwarves don't what? exist. elves don't exist what? i know i know i'm sorry we'll have a conversation about it later <laughs> but you form this belief i disagree i disagree with you too but that's what we're being told right and mm. when you then get those beliefs because you know kids see a whole lot of stuff like i oftentimes say kids are tripping like all the time it's incredible yeah. right but then their parents still that's why we had fun <laughs> exactly that's why childhood is so good and then it, you know life becomes a whole lot of boring um but your parents tell you no that thing is not there no that doesn't exist no you're not seeing anything and you're mm. like oh, okay i'm not seeing anything and it's kind of like closing the doors you know mm. because there's also the truth here that you choose which energies you allow into your consciousness yeah and if you have chosen not to believe that those things are even there you're basically kind of closing the doors or just changing the sieve which is filtering the conscious experience and this is what your subconscious really is this is yeah. why shadow work is so important inner child healing is so important so we start to understand where the sieve is maybe blocked or rather where do we want to expand it what is the experience that we want to have yeah and what kind of trash we have stored in the subconscious right yep. so that we can start clearing it out and actually vibrating so that the quantum opens and that the unicorns um, come here yeah wait there was another uh huh yeah when you sat yeah yeah, yeah. so there's another interesting um correlation with the 12th house pisces astrology uh, aspect which is the imagination yeah something that children have so much of mm. but is it really imagination <laughs> yes i love that mm. but you know it is also the 
our ability to imagine the reality in which we wish to mm. exist. And it's really, you know, sometimes it's not about seeing in order to believe. Sometimes the magic happens from believing and then being able to see it. Yeah, I totally, I totally, I totally buy it. You know, what we focus on manifests. What we focus on, we kind of attract. That's okay. I don't want to go too much into the um, positive thinking and the law of attraction, although I do think it's a valuable piece in all of that, but it's just that a really small fraction of the whole picture. But yeah, um, I lost a bit of the of the thought uh, wave there, but it's it's the ability to you know to to it's thinking of like what kind of world do you want to live in, and then go and think about how would that come about? What needs to happen? You know, do we want the world that has more brutality, more anger, mm. more harshness in it? I don't think we need that. Yeah. So maybe we want the world of more softness of more tenderness, of more compassion. How do we come about doing that? I mean, we got to start understanding that the world in which we live in is a cumulative sum of all individual projection fields. So mm -hmm. it's it's our vibrational frequencies compounded together that create something that it's larger than the sum of its parts while simultaneously being exactly the sum of its parts. And right now you look at the world surrounding us and you can see what are the vibrational frequencies that created that. I mean, I had this conversation yesterday with my boyfriend who's American. And, you know, I'm so fascinated by the United States because you can see with them <laughs> that their projection field is really, if you look at the developmental stages of a child, right? The, at the beginning, you're born, you have no concept of the fact that you're separate, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know you're separate from your mother. You don't know you're separate from the world. And then you get to the level of a toddler between like two and four, and you start realizing you have your will, right? Mm. But you don't also realize that everything else has its own experience. And you can see that with a child who plays, let's say with a cat, they will grab the cat's tail and start pulling because the child doesn't understand that a cat has a separate different experience. They see everything as extension of themselves. And that's, that's where the United States are. If you look at it, right, everything that's happening is an extension of themselves and they keep like exploiting all of that. And when you, and this is like, you know, the American dream and the ego and the identity, right? Like I am. And so when you get a large number of people with a projection field like that, seeing them so separate, we're going to get what we're seeing now in our collective world. So here it's really important for us. This is why it's important to first look into your subconscious to realize what are the patterns you're holding right we talk so much about that in the scorpio episode but then yes you need to go a step further and be like okay now i've seen this right this is the reality and belief system under which i operated up until this point i don't want that what do i want and what are the steps i take to get there how do i align my energy with it and then let the actions that come follow the vibrational frequency that I want more of. Mm, yeah. I mean, maybe like the United States is now entering their Pluto return. So Pluto return. I know it's not, crazy. It's gonna a lot of shit will is bound to come up. But it has to. that's a story for another time perhaps. I wanna go back to the womb. Always go back yes, to the yes. womb. <laughs> In 
many ways, but in this um, context here, you know, back to this separation that you spoke of and the trauma that comes from there. And um, the 12th house, Pisces energy being the energy of that connects us to certain past life memories. There's one that I would like to share on that note, something that has been kind of a healing that I feel has been happening for me across lifetimes, which is something that happens in this house <laughs> and being able to tap into these energies and understand uh, our karma. Uh, a few months ago, I was doing this grief practice and having so much planets in the 12th house with the North Node there, some of the topics that have been a constant in my life life constantly bringing me back to the practice of trust and surrender such a big topic for this kind of energy also trusting in bigger cycles of life the things that we're not able to see but we're able to sense and feel on a deeper level this constant cycle of letting go bringing us back to forgiveness and during this grief practice it was a lot of energy moved through me it was also an embodiment so activating the body the doorway that holds so much of this stored repressed forgotten memories forgetting that is at the core of the human condition so that's why we're constantly trying to remember right that's that's the whole uh, the whole process of life the process of remembering but in this particular practice the grief was coming from this deep remembrance of this separation separation that on a human level on a worldly plane I remember was coming from being separated from my previous physical form, from my previous life, the grief of dying, of leaving what I have known before and being dissolved into the unknown. And through that, it was also intertwined this separation from source. You know, okay, so letting go of the previous life, going back to the source, merging with the divine, with the higher consciousness, going back to all that there is. And then, cheeky as God is, <laughs> being sent back, motherfuckers, <laughs> incarnating again, and the pain of birth, the grief that comes of being incarnated back into this limiting form. Mm. and to the human condition it was an incredible experience um the pisces energy the 12th house gateway that truly connects us with this past life memories and in a way this is what i feel akashic records are giving us access to again bringing uh, these past memories those unconscious patterns back into the conscious you know when i first had vedic astrology reading and i was 
hanging out with this Vedic astrologer more and debating and going into some of these Vedic philosophies deeper. And I asked him about regression, which is bringing back the past life memories. And he said that he doesn't that he doesn't advise a regression because why bringing the energies of the past life back into the now? Those are the energies of the past. Let's leave them behind, which I think is a valid point, or it, I, I resonated with it back then. But thinking about it now, I feel like you know karma is something that we are bound with here on planet mm. Earth. That's my belief. Doesn't have to be yours, but if since this is my belief, it is governing my reality. So I think that these past life energies are fueling our lives either way. So we can either ignore them and try to escape them, which escapism, another thing Pisces energy can be quite masterful in, or we can shine the light on them. And when I go into Akashic Records for other people or for myself and some past life memories come flooding in. The question that arises, rightly so, would be, you know, but is it true or not? Are you, is this truly a past life memory or not? Or is it just my imagination kind of interrupting? But again, does it matter? Because it is not about the truth necessarily. It is more about what it brings about. The question here is truly, is it helping me? Plus, is it hurting anyone else? If it, ha it, is, if it is helping me and not hurting anyone else, then what is the problem? <laughs> and yeah. here, you know, just like I believe everything in life is a story, but I think the stories are being created based on the energetic frequencies that we hold in the subconscious. Exactly. And the brain is just interpreter of this subconscious. So what I feel this practice of past regression or going into Akashic Records brings about is the frequency of release and letting go. Again, core of the Pisces. So let it go. You know, this is the end of the cycle. And Akashic Records can offer this consolidation and resolution. And bring about a sense of, yeah, belonging in a way that oftentimes the Pisces energy will come with this confusion where it just doesn't know because it's tapped in, because it's floating. It's like attuned to the bigger cycle that doesn't always comprehend the rea 3D reality. But being in tune with these bigger cycles, it also. Oh, reminds us of the greater belonging, the inherent belonging. Because on one hand, being born into this world gives us that sense of, well, being born for a reason. And even though, even if we can't find this logical reason, Pisces reminds us to trust what we cannot see, to trust the bigger cycle. And on the other hand, even being out of this world we get a reminder that 
we belong to a system that is so much greater, so much wider than this little reality of ours. So the inherent belonging is always going to be there. I love this. I love this. I mean, it's the only real truth. Yeah, yeah. And I often feel like people come, people sometimes come with quite specific questions to Akashic Records sessions, but then we are always brought to the core. And this is where the field of spirituality opens up. It gives us so many doorways, so many pathways to come to the same freaking conclusion, to the same feeling, the, the intuitive knowing, the feeling knowing. Okay, thank you for allowing me this yes. little rant, um, but it's something that, yeah, goes quite deep for me. I love it. It's beautiful. Thank you. Mm. And, you know, from these past life, ener past life energies, this is the south node in astrology, the karmic patterning, where we come into this world with a lot of gifts, a lot of... in wisdom that has been cultivated from past lives and on the other hand it might also be certain irrational fears and phobias that we bring forth and i know in one of our conversations you gave a beautiful explanation of these phobias would you like to share with us now yeah i'd love that i mean it's that's always been a, a really big fascination of mine you know it's been like where do we bring what is passion what is this thing that you know we like yearn for so much that is so intrinsic to us and it hasn't been taught it hasn't been conditioned and then on the other hand like where do phobias come from you know phobias are so prevalent like and they're so universal for a lot of people and yet they can be so different so you know let's say some people will say like oh it's genetic you know it's imprinted but i look at my family and it's like like my phobia, spiders, classic, right? Mm -hmm. My mom, snakes. My dad, neither. So it's not really that I can say, sure, there's like a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, there's a gene for a spider phobia. <laughs> um, but something, I listened to a podcast a while ago and it really touched me. There was a guy who is, uh, I think he does, he does past life regressions, but he's more, he can really tap into the frequency of one's soul. And he said, you know, you have to think about the fact that, yes, while you go through the cycles of reincarnation, your body dies and then you get a new one. But for your soul, it's one continuous journey. Your soul doesn't die in between. Your soul doesn't forget in between, right? We kind of think about it because our brain shuts down and we lose consciousness as we experience it in this human form. But your soul is just this part of the source that keeps on going and is eternal. And your experiences during different lives, they create an imprint on your soul. It's something that becomes a part of your energetic frequency. And so let's say that in one of your past lives, especially if it was relatively recently, and you know, let's let's hear again think about the fact that time isn't linear when you go to the quantum. So your most recent lifetime may have happened, you know, 5,000 years ago, right? In the human life, um, in the human timeline. But in, let's say, especially if one of the most recent lifetimes, you 
got killed by a spider, you got killed by a snake, your soul remembers that. And as your body dies, your soul may not have registered that that life is actually over because again, your soul doesn't know time. So now you're reincarnated, God knows how much later in the human timeline, but your soul has just left the moment where it got you know, bit by a spider or a snake and it carries this imprint and it's a part of your vibrational blueprint. Yeah. And so that then you see something that provokes this sort of very strong response in you and this is where kind of phobia comes from. And it's irrational. You're like, I can't explain it. I've never had a bad experience with a spider, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, it may not be of this lifetime. It may be of a long, long time ago. And you may know, you may not know. Another example that you said it's quite common is infertility. Women not being able to conceive and they do life, past life regression. And it turns out that they died during giving birth. And so their bodies contracted as a result of their soul essentially having this sort of a fear. But the beautiful thing that he says is that oftentimes all it takes is for you to bring into awareness that it's something that happened in the past life. And your soul is basically like, oh, oh, okay. Okay, that's no longer relevant. Okay, we can let it go. And things sometimes just resolve themselves or rather very often in like an incredibly short amount of time. So that was a very beautiful explanation. I heard about it, it really resonated with me because I always had a sense that it was like, this is something we, that came with us from before. This is like a part of our blueprint somehow. But this I thought offered like a really beautiful framework for thinking about it. Yeah, this is where, you know, Pisces reminds us that it goes beyond even the early childhood experiences. Mm. But it's really beautiful when <laughs> it can be resolved as easily as just recognizing that there might be a pattern. But um, I would like to share one very personal and vulnerable example that I feel like is um, a side where it might not be as easy to resolve it. And, you know, I, I spoke about this grief of birth before, and I feel like we often, you know, a newborn, a new baby is born, and we're like, oh, new baby, so good, new life. <laughs> but we forget that perhaps the baby, when it's continuously cries, what if the baby is also just grieving, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> As a baby, I had, they say I had a lot of cramps, and... I continuously, I was just crying all the time, being in real pain. Same, same for me, man. Like I didn't sleep for the first two years of my life. Mm. In all of that drama, you know, of course, my I was the first child and they, my parents weren't skilled or prepared for that. So they just kept putting me to other people's arms because, you know, it was a lot for one person to handle. So that fear of abandonment and that avoidance slash anxious attachment, I feel got created from everyone being frustrated with the fact that I was in so much pain and just giving me away for someone to try to take care of me. So that is one aspect. But the other one here was that even as a baby that wasn't able to think consciously yet, I rejected my mom. I just wasn't able to connect with her in any way, not through breastfeeding, not mm-hmm. even when I was then um, six months plus. And 
tapping into these past lives energies through akashic records etc i receive this deep knowingness that our relationship in one of the past lives has been extremely complicated mm-hmm. and i i have this deep sense of carrying this anger grief disappointment fear or whatever i don't even know like it's such a complicated emotion i've been carrying these even as a baby that felt that was rejecting her for no obvious reason and like further on into my childhood and teenage years up until now yeah it's been an energy that has been very prevalent and strong in our dynamic and i do feel like it has the root in one of the past lives and it's something that i had to consciously continuously con- to work with consciously and healing those themes and i think those this is one of those lifetime lifetime long healing journeys that is happening also that brings about the trust issues um yeah this is this is absolutely fascinating like listening to you because i had an incredibly similar experience so i was also as a kid had terrible cramps for i don't know two three years barely survived i couldn't handle my mom's milk Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, like same. I couldn't, I couldn't digest it. It was completely mm-hmm. impossible. And I feel for me when I was doing inner child work and returning back to, um, there was like very intense experiences. Even when I was returning back through like the hypnosis mm-hmm. exercises into the womb times, right in utero, it felt like swimming in just like burning acid for me. Um, there was like so much heat around it and so much like this acidic anger, right? And it's, I find it so fascinating seeing the imbalances that I have in my body and I've had my entire life or in Ayurveda, they would all be called pitta, right? Which are caused by too much heat, too much fire, inflammation in the body. And then, yeah, even later on with my mom, it was the same thing. My early life experiences when my mom were dominated by anger on both sides, her trying to control the way I behave and me responding with just this like ah like leave me alone sort of thing and it's mm-hmm. something that is still we are yeah also working through it now a lot but I just thought it was so cool how uh, how similar our experience with that was actually I mean two Scorpio rising with stalliums in the 12th house <laughs> are there patterns would one ask I mean our charts are like basically yeah. the same right <laughs> yeah it's fascinating Ooh, so I guess if someone thought we were woo-woo before, I wonder what they think now. <laughs> oh, good, man. Like, I love this. I'm always, you know, we're yeah. going to be leaving this space of, like, transpersonal energies of, like, Scorpio and Aquarius and Pisces and then going a lot more grounded. And I'm like, I feel like that's going to be harder in a way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just wait. We can enter, like, we can implement it everywhere. <laughs> I'm sure we can <laughs> putting putting our energies into it <laughs> mm, exactly and 
since we have astrology as the foundation here, we know by now that astrology or also works in access. So even though we've been kind of diving into this abstract and astral realms of the Pisces, on the other or on the other side, the opposite sign of Pisces is Virgo, which brings down this groundedness, practicality to the whole concept. So always always with astro astrological archetypes we are gonna be working with these two opposites in order to harvest the highest vibration the highest frequency or the highest expression of both of these arch archetypal energies so i know we've been going on for a while now but do we care <laughs> no no i feel like we can continue Yes, yes, but I need to go pee. <laughs> I also need to go pee. Okay, let's take a little break. <laughs> we will be right back. <laughs> and we're back. See, this is how the quantum works. We've been gone, but we're still here. <laughs> I've received a few knockings on my hotel door, and the mosque nearby is announcing the prayer, but we're gonna, in this good Piscean manner, ignore the external reality, right? <laughs> so what, what, what we're really good at here in the Pisces realms <laughs> beautiful yeah I mean you know it's I see this disconnection that sometimes happens this diving into our inner worlds one of the big Piscean traits something that I see a lot of Pisces people with strong Pisces energy at the beginning struggle because it is not perceived as necessarily a gift which it is but more as a burden this high sensitivity mm. like whatever that means right yeah you you wrote here a couple of like different ways in which yes. this may be told and it yes. can be like aware intuitive complex finely attuned mm -hmm. deep feeling heart-centered, emotionally connected. But the truth is for someone who may be just tuning in and they're not that deep down the spiritual valley, they'd be like, yeah, but what is that? So I would like to just give a little bit more grounding to that because all of these terms are completely valid and completely true. But really with high sensitivity, what we are talking about is someone who has more sensitive nervous system. And sensitive here means it's a nervous system that responds to more subtle versions of the stimulation. So everything around you that you receive through your five senses, but also through intuitive sensing of the energies, right, is processed in your nervous system and your brain. And we talked about that before, your brain and your nervous system is an interface between the energetic and the physical, between the spiritual realm and the 3D reality. And so someone who is more sensitive it's as always it's a double-edged sword on the one hand those people will find it much easier to perceive subtler energetic vibrations so this would be people with you know what some would call more psychic abilities which we're going to touch upon a little bit later and people who just have maybe stronger intuition they may have a lot more vibrant dreams because dreams are actually when we tap into the quantum when we give up like our consciousness every night it's like right? communicating with your subconsciousness in a way exactly it's beautiful mm. it's beautiful and and those people just have nervous systems that are 
easier to stimulate, easier to, yeah, they will perceive more subtle things. Now, the other side of this coin, however, is that as you are so sensitive, we live in a world today where we are under huge amounts of stimulation all the time, right? Overwhelming from loud noises to a lot of TV to like scrolling, right? Something like social media, that's a lot, a lot of, a lot of information to take in and your nervous system can get overstimulated. This is why people that are more sensitive, have more sensitive nervous system are gonna be affected by issues such as anxiety, and overwhelm more quickly than a person with a less sensitive nervous system. In Ayurveda, if any of you out there know that, people with higher nervous system sensitivity are more of the vata type, right? More etheric, their constitution is lighter. They may have sensitivity, for example, my sensitivity is to really loud sounds. I could never, like, I fucking hated fireworks as a kid. I still do. Um, and on the other side of the spectrum, you have more kapha people, who are much more grounded, they have less sensitive nervous system, and thus they do better in the 3D world, right? Because they don't get overstimulated, they're much more resilient in a way, but they have much more limited availability of these subtler realms of energy. Mm, yeah, and you know, no one taught us how to cope with that properly. You know, not even from this no. such saturated world around us. Um, that's one thing, but even the <laughs> very saturated world inside of us. And so what yes. often happens, yeah, the Pisces shadow side again, we go into escapism. Yeah. Yeah, escapism, especially from the sensitivity and emotions. Um, and because we are not thought how to cope with them in a healthy aligned matter it's either being overtaken by them which leads to not being grounded just kind of floating and with this lack of groundedness not being connected to the virgo axis in a way the feeling of not belonging not feeling like we fit in like we don't have a sense of direction comes Exactly. It's a lot about, I mean, escapism, right? The important question is, what are we escaping? Because we hear this word so much and we are escaping things that don't feel good, right? I mean, when we think about our day-to-day life, like we just want to feel good, <laughs> right? And so we take whatever actions are necessary to bring us there. And some can be in the grander scheme of things, leading us closer to, you know, physical and emotional thrive and being genuinely mm. connected but they can also take us into the other direction. And so here it's really important to understand that we are escaping things that don't make us feel good. And then we have to start thinking about what are things that don't make us feel good. <laughs> and that doesn't feel good. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, we live in this world where by definition, the reality is that we are separate. And that is completely 180 degrees opposed to the reality that we're all connected. And then we live in this world that hyper emphasizes the fact that we are so separate. And then we start losing this most important part and thing that we crave most, 
which is what you mentioned before, belonging and being accepted. And we can't feel good if we're not accepted. We can't feel good if we are not allowed to express ourselves in our fullness. And then most of us, and we start feeling bad, but then on top of that, we also live in a society where we're not taught how to deal with our emotions and feelings. And then we start to internalize yeah. that. And instead of feeling them and going through it and working through them, we start numbing them and stuffing them in because we don't know how yeah. to do this. And then we need to numb. And really escapism to me is like ways of numbing the emotions that don't feel good. Because the truth is, this is, I think, this important component of grief that comes with it, that you will have to go through this very difficult process of difficult emotions and grief because this disconnect is the part of our reality. Like we have come into this existence mm -hmm. to experience mm. it and you're going to feel all of the weight of it and the weight of it can sometimes be really overwhelming and it can push you sometimes into really dark and deep places, working through it, feeling it and accepting it before you can let it go. And most of us don't, we don't live in the world that in any sort of way is conducive to going through this experience in a healthy mm -hmm. way, to truly feeling these things, working through these emotions, feeling grief and being told that it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to feel that, you know? I'm sure you've had this experience that sometimes you have some of these really difficult emotions and it feels really heavy and you're grieving and you don't need anyone to fix anything. No. You don't need anyone to like change anything. You just need someone to sit with you and say, hey, it's okay. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to yeah. be here by your side while you work through this emotion. And it's okay. And I understand why you're feeling it. And I understand and we're in this together, which is then when connection really comes from. Yeah. And you have a full permission to feel it through because that's the other thing with this escapism, which is like, you know, there we hear these things of, Oh, if we go back to the unconditional love, we just want someone to witness us and still yeah. love us as we go through these more difficult emotional realms. Yeah. And when that doesn't happen, you know, there we kind of, I see two main ways of coping with it. On one hand, like you said, the numbness, trying to escape it, and that can lead then to addictions and we're all addicted to some extent in some ways and you know we already expressed our fascination and, and appreciation to drugs <laughs> in many podcasts before so we're probably not going to go that deep into them here um, but they're always like a healthy conscious a more healthy and conscious approach to these matters and alas uh, so to yeah. say, healthy and conscious approach, but on the other hand, on the other side of this running away, escaping, avoiding, it is trying to gain control over it. Mm. Not only, like you said, being with it and feeling it through, but trying to manage it, yes. fix it. Yes. Right. Yes. Totally. Totally. And I saw, for me. The control was actually the predominant mechanism of doing uh -huh. it. Uh, escapism, 
you know, drugs that came to me weren't that much about escapism. They were about mm. imagination a lot more and exploration of other possibilities. Mm-hmm. But control, I mean, I was told my entire life, control your anger. Like, Oof. you are completely out of control. What is going, you know, all of these like horrible things when I was just like a three-year-old kid not knowing what the fuck to do with myself, right? Yeah. And yes, that is such a huge part of it. And I'm sure that a lot of listeners will resonate with that. Absolutely. I mean, I am totally with you there. We both have Mars, the planet of anger on our ascendant. So it is a (laughs) crucial part of our realities. And I, you know, this control yourself sentence, boy, have I heard it a lot. And I, I mean, for me, it was both, you know, on one hand, this escape with drugs. I definitely had it in my teenage years, a lot of abusing, um, of these subs of various substances and on the other hand at the same time you know why make it easy if you can make it complicated scorpio um it was also this control where as being such a sensitive keto who didn't know how to cope with so much overwhelming emotions um and my mom constantly in her good faith to help me uh, yelling at me to control myself, yeah. I subconsciously took her advice, twisted it a little, and started controlling what I felt I could control. And yeah. for me, that was my weight and my food intake. So yeah. it kind of developed, progressed into eating disorders, which yeah. almost took my life away. I was really hanging at the end of it. But thank God my addiction saved me, my addiction to chocolate and sugar. Christmas came and I couldn't resist. So, you know, coping mechanisms, having all kinds of different expressions. But yeah, it's a boo. And there's so much of it. It's so subtle as well. I love this. Like, I also have definitely, my relationship to food's also been like an ongoing process. The way it manifested for me was um, that was actually escapism for me <laughs> in a way that when I was, you know, back in school and all of that, like I was bored all the fucking time. Like I hated being in school. I hated being sat down. I hated being told what to do. I hated being told where to put my focus. Like I wasn't interested in so many of those things, at least the way they were explained. And then you sat down for like, you know, eight hours a day. Then you came home and you were doing homework. And then on the weekends you were studying. And for me, meal times were the only escape from that. So lunch on the weekends and dinner during the week was when I had excuse to actually get away from this ever-present feeling of boredom. And I mean, to, you know, go back to human design, right? We're both manifesting generators. There's like nothing worse for manifesting generators than boredom, right? Like that's like, I'd rather be like in pain and suffering than be bored for any sort of serious amount of time. It's a different kind of pain. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, it's a horrible pain, man. Like boredom is like the worst pain. And that was for me how I developed my unhealthy relationship with food. Because again, it was the only time of the day when I could feel something pleasurable. And so I went full in. But it was funny, right? Because there was a part of it, which was the conditioning of like, you should eat everything that's on your plate. But then when it came to like sweets and chocolate, control yourself, control yourself, control yourself. And it's just so many like mixed messages, so much The world is one confused place. God, it's really confused. 
And you know, when you when we talk about the importance of language here and how it imposes on this powerlessness and helplessness, another shadow aspect that gets cultivated in this whole messy story that we're now talking about, those phrases that kind of go around of, well, it is what it is, or kaftidis. Mm. I mean, my parents never said that, but you know, for our Slovene listeners, you know, yeah. hearing like, suck it up. Yeah. You gotta yeah, do it. Exactly. What can you do about it? You know, it's like yeah. really, this is really not teaching us how to meet our needs. It is just perpetuating yeah. the state of, well, you just gotta be in the feelings of unsafety. And so this is the only way that, this is the way that we think our lives should be, just sucking up to the feelings of unsafetyness. And, and all that is, it's conformity. Right? That, that's what it is. This is complacency. And it's a lot of yeah. time I also see it in like, it's a very, it's a very fine line. It's a fine line because I see that a lot. We have these arguments with my mom all the time because she has a lot more of this like Catholic guilt, blah, blah, blah thing behind it. And it's the whole deal that, you know, on the one hand, the surrendering and letting go is also about accepting the situations you can't change and there are situations you can't change if uh, if your loved one passed away you're not bringing them back and this is something where you can say it is what it is and i can't change it but starting to use this it is what it is on the everyday things like you know my mom will use it for example on having a mm, physical issue right like a disease or something that you know, could definitely be changed if she was willing to change some of her habits in the way she yeah. does things, right? But there is an excuse of like, when you're 50 plus, your body just starts breaking down. And it's like, really? Like, sure, to a certain extent, but is that really the excuse you're going to use? And we got to be very mindful here where we are Yeah, it's part of avoidance strategy, right? Exactly. And it's Helplessness, like... powerlessness, avoidance, complacency, like all of those things are very good friends. It's important to be mindful. Yeah, and it's sometimes external circumstances happen. Like I said, we don't have control over them, but we can, we do have control over the way that we're going to react to them. Yes. And even this big process of letting go that Pisces teaching teaches us about and the surrender it is not about giving our power away it is giving away the power of illusion of control and kind of um which ultimately is giving our power back to us in a way that what do we need to let go in order to let more of that unconditional love acceptance and higher perspective in And this is where I also see the progression through the water signs in astrology. Like I said, the cancer becoming aware, okay, this is happening inside of me. This is the emotional reaction that I'm having to the external, let's say. And then the Scorpio is going to ask, well, what is underneath that? What is powering and fueling these patterns? Looking underneath. And once we have come to that, the Pisces is where the dissolute. Uh, dissolvement happens now that I went there and I know it how can I surrender the whole process the parts that we have been holding on to that are causing us this pain and again this escapism escapism it has both sides right the higher 
the lighter and the more shadowy. Just like any coping mechanism, coping mechanisms are not only bad, right? Um, they can be extremely helpful. And I remember at the beginning you mentioned as the little Pisces moon creating this imaginative worlds, these alternate realities, the dreamlands. How, yes, it can be an escape to the existing reality and the pain that comes with it. But at the same time, it can be a necessary saving element when the children don't know how to cope. It's also a place of this resolution where things can come together. Yeah, it's, it's of course it can be good or bad and it's sometimes necessary and we have to think about it you know as we talked about before we need coping mechanisms because we live in a world that is not conducive to us expressing in a way that we are and dreaming and experiencing the energetic realms at the level on which we could and want to experience especially if you're very sensitive and i think it's completely normal that we live in a world where, you know, most of us in our souls and in our course are very soft and like very tender and very gentle. And we're put in this world where we are told that you gotta meet your needs, you gotta blah, 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 you gotta hustle, right? And so much harshness and so much coldness and so much isolation and so much individuality that it's only completely normal and something sometimes healthy and necessary to create these other worlds, right? It's even used in therapy, you will create a safe space for yourself. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's like, who says that this 3D reality is the superior reality? <laughs> exactly. I mean, even, you know, in certain philosophies, the dreamland that they create it is actually seen as the realer or more yeah. significant reality. Yeah. And this is something that my therapist has led me through a few times yeah. of, okay, so you have this problem. How about you put it into your dreamland yeah. and see what kind of creative, imaginative resolutions yeah. come there where the field is, has more, offers more possibilities. Yeah, because it's, it's not limited by our beliefs, right? It's, that's so, so beautiful. Yes. Yeah. And at the end of the day, this is what art offers us. Yeah. yeah? You know, this Pisces is seen as this hopeless romantic and as this artistic archetype with so much imagination. And it is sourced from the depths of our emotions more often, most often. The greatest art ever created has such a deep emotional component, deep imaginative realm to yeah. it. It's, it's a retreat, right? Rather than escapism, you retreat sometime from the, yeah, from the world. I, I mean, it can be both, you know? I, I, did work, <laughs> I did work in the creative industry, music industry before, and I, you know, a lot of artists do create as a means of escape because totally. they get trapped in their own totally. imaginative worlds. But at the same time, it can be such a beautiful healing process. And a lot of the spiritual practices, I, I do see them as artistic expressions of our yes. souls. Yes, I mean, we come, we come back to this polarity of Pisces and Virgo, right? Because Virgo is a healer. And when you use the movement mm -hmm. into these other realms to heal, 
that means you're actually grounding them, right? The problem is when you're escaping them without staying grounded in this healing capacity that does happen for us also in the 3D realm. And this is when you yeah. get the ultimate escapism. So again, it's all about the balance between these two yeah. archetypes. And at that stage, art in any form can become incredibly healing, but the healing component in and of itself means working through something and letting something yeah. go rather than running away from it. And this is a thing where yeah. this difference between escapism and retreat happens. Mm. Yeah, healing in the now, but through lifetimes and dimensions. Talk about time. <laughs> And yeah, now we're gonna move into our thirty minutes long conclusion. Actually, actually <laughs> I have a meeting in ten minutes, Ooh. so we will have to wrap it up. <laughs> but there's such an important ending to this. I know, I know. Okay, what are we gonna do about it? <gasps> Bonus! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for a bonus episode where we're going to go dive deeper into, into all about intuition, what it is, how it works, how do we listen to it, how do we know if it's our intuition or our ego speaking, mm -hmm. and also we're going to talk about certain exercises to help us connect deeper with our intuition. But as we see, the topics we covered so far are very expansive, big, and we feel that if we try to squeeze intuition into this one, we either won't have enough time to do it justice, or we may just overwhelm. And at this stage, I would like to give a little invitation to all of you. We mentioned at the beginning that, you know, like we were joking about how we could elaborate on so many different topics that we talk about. but. We would love to hear from you if there are any specific topics that we bring up that you would like to hear more about, because we're always happy to elaborate on things. And if there are some things that we touch upon, but we don't go into super, like into a ton of depth and you're like, whoa, but I'd like to hear more about it from you. Let us know and connect with us. And we would love to create more bonus episodes and get in touch with you and explain things further. Yeah, I, I love that invitation. Mm. Oh, Alia, it was beautiful floating with you and getting lost in this endless topics with you and all of our listeners in this little astral bubble that we are creating with seasonal explorations. The cosmic, the, the seasonal ass on which we float from month to month. I can't believe this is the sixth episode already. It's crazy. It's been six months. I know. It's, <laughs> it's been such an honor doing this with you, Eva Cristina. It's been, I feel uh, still like every time we record an episode, I'm like, this was the best one so far. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm definitely saying the same thing after this one. So thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. So thank you for making it this far. Thank you for trusting us to guide you here. And I hope it sets you out for your own explorations beautifully. Thank you guys. We love you. Yeah, we love you. We love you. Aiming for the unconditional love. <laughs> All of the unconditional love. <laughs> I wish everyone, everyone on this beautiful blue planet of Earth unconditional love, truly. And deep, deep connection. <sighs> Imagine this world. Mwah. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Okay, that was silly. <laughs> <laughs>